Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning, spooky family. Peyton and I were just like so ready for Halloween that we've been watching like spooky movies. I mean, spooky movies, spooky videos. And I went to the bathroom and I, when I came back, I didn't know if she was in my room and she <laughs> jump scared me. I scared the holy love out of this child. This child, like, this morning, this child met Jesus. <laughs> okay, ready? We're like, I'm being lazy. I am like turning into a lazy slob because, because it's like still dark outside. It used to be dark, I mean, light at like 5.30. Now it's like, shoot, man. 6.43. I know. I was like, we usually start reading at like 5.30. I know. Oh my gosh. I can't do it, you guys. It's like hard to get up when it's dark. I know you guys know what that's like. Huh? They don't know what it's like. No, only we do. Am I the only person that gets tired longer in the morning when it's still dark? No? Okay. All right. A series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, book the 13th, the end. Oh my gosh, two more chapters. Oh, this one might be a longie. Oh no, it's not. Oh, interesting. Okay, this is... Wait a minute. Oh my gosh, hold on. I think we just got tricked. Chapter 14. Oh my gosh, there's an extra chapter. Okay. Okay, well, maybe we're not. I just, I sneak peeked to the back like I usually do, but I haven't done it yet. Okay. Chapter 12. It is a curious thing, but as one travels the world, getting older and older, it appears that happiness is easier and easier to get used to than despair. The second time you have a root beer float, for instance, your happiness at sipping the delicious concoction may not, may be not quite as enormous as when you first had a root beer float. You said root. Root beer float. And the twelfth time, your happiness may still be less enormous until the root beer float begins to offer you very little happiness at all. Because you've become used to the taste of vanilla ice cream and root beer mixed together. However, the second time you find a thumbtack in your root beer float, your despair is much greater the first time when you dismiss the thumbtack as a freak accident rather than just a part of the scheme of the soda jerk. A phrase here which means ice cream shop employee who's trying to injure your tongue. And by the twelfth time you find a thumbtack in your despair, uh, thumbtack, your despair is even greater and still until you can hardly utter the phrase root beer float. Without bursting into tears, it is almost as if happiness is acquired is an acquired taste, like coconut cordial or ceviche, to which you can eventually become accustomed to. Despair, but despair is something surprising to each of you. Oh, despair is something surprising each time you encounter it. As the glass shattered in the tent, the boat of their orphans stood and stared at the at the standing figure of Ishmael. But even as they felt the med- medusoid mycelium drift into their bodies, 
each tiny spore feeling like a footstep and of an ant walking down their throats. They couldn't believe their own story could contain such a despair once more or such a terrible thing that had happened. What happened? Friday cried. I heard glass breaking. Never mind the breaking glass, Erwin said. I feel something in my throat like a tiny seed. Never mind your tiny seed. Seedy throat, Finn said. I see Ishmael standing up on his own two feet. Where Count Olaf was cackled from the white sand where he lay. One of the white, one, oh, with one dramatic gesture. He yanked the harpoon gun out of the mess of his broken helmet and tattered, tattered dress at his stomach and threw it at Ishmael's clay feet. The sound you heard was the shattering of a diving helmet, he sneered. The seed you felt in your throat are the spores of the medusoid mycelium. And the man standing on his own two feet is the one is the one oh, on his own two feet is the one who has slaughtered you all. Medusoid mycelium, Ishmael repeated in astonishment as the islanders gasped again. On these shores, I can't believe it. I've spent my life trying to keep the island forever safe from this terrible fungus. Nothing's safe forever, thank goodness, Count Olaf said. And all of you people should know that eventually everything washes up on these shores. The Baudelaire, finally, the Baudelaire family has finally returned to the island to offer... And after you threw them off years ago, they've brought the medusoid mycelium with them. Ishmael's eyes widened and he jumped to the edge of the sleigh to stand and confront the Baudelaire orphans. As his feet landed on the ground, the clay cracked and fell off of his feet. Oh, and fell away. And the children could see that the facilitator, not you that, Jackie, could see that the facilitator had a tattoo of an eye on his left ankle, just as Count Olaf said. You brought the medusoid mycelium, he asked. You have a deadly fungus with you all the time, and you kept it secret from us? You're, you're a fine one to talk to about keeping secrets, Alonzo said. Look at your healthy feet, Ishmael. Your dishonesty is the root of this trouble. It's the mutiny who are the root of troubles, cried Ariel. If they hadn't let Count Olaf out of this cage, this never would have happened. Depends on how you look at it, Professor Fletcher said. In my opinion, all of, the, all of us are the root of the trouble. If we hadn't put Count Olaf in a cage, he never would have threatened us. We're the root of the trouble because we failed to find the diving helmet, Ferdinand said. If we'd retrieved... If we'd retrieved it while the storm sca- while storm scavenging, the sheep would have dragged it to the arboretum, and he- and we would have been safe. Um, Ameros is the root of the trouble, Doctor Kurt said, pointing at the young boy. He's the one that gave Ishmael the harpoon gun. Instead of dumping it in the arboretum, it's Count Olaf who's the root of the trouble. Cried Larson. He's the one who brought the fungus into the tent. I'm not the root of the trouble, Count Olaf snarled and then paused to cough loudly before continuing. I'm the king of the island. It doesn't matter your, whether you're king or not, Violet said. You've breathed in the fungus like everyone else. Violet's right, Klaus said. We don't have time to stand here and argue. Even without his commonplace book, Klaus could re- recite a poem about the fungus that was first recited to him by Fiona shortly before he had broken, she had broken his heart. A single spore has such a grim power that you may die within an hour. If we don't quite offer, if we don't quit fighting and offer and all, oh my gosh, if we don't quit our fighting and work together, we're all going to end up dead. 
The tent was filled with an illusion, a word here which means the sound of panicking islanders. Dead, Madame Nordoff shrieked. Nobody said the fungus was deadly. I thought it, we were merely being threatened with forbidden food. I didn't stay on this island to die, cried Miss Marlowe. I could have died at home. Nobody's going to die, Ishmael announced to the crowd. Well, it depends on how you look at it, Rabbi Bly said. Eventually, we're all going to die. Not if you follow my suggestions, Ishmael said. Now first, I suggest that you all take a nice long drink from your seashells. The cordial will chase the fungus from your throats. No, it won't, Violet cried. Fermented coconut milk has no effect on the medusoid mycelium. That may be so, Ishmael said, but at least we'll all feel a bit calmer. You mean drowsy and inactive, Klaus said, or Klaus corrected, Klaus corrected, the cordial's an opiate. There's nothing wrong with cordiality, Ishmael said. I suggest that we all spend a few minutes discussing our situation in a cordial manner. When, when we can, when can we decide the root, what, wait, we can decide the root of the problem and what it is and come up with a solution at our leisure. That does sound reasonable, Calypso admitted. Uh, Trehis and Dace clerics, Sunny said, which meant you're forgetting about the quick-acting poison of the fungus. Sunny's right, Klaus said. We need to find a solution now, not sitting around talking about beverages. The solution is in the Arboretum, Violet said, in the secret, and in the secret space under the roots of the apple tree. Secret space, Sherman said. What secret space? There's a library down there, Klaus said, as a crowd murmured in surprise, cataloging all of the objects that have washed ashore and all of the stories those objects tell. And kitchen, Sunny added, maybe horseradish. Horseradish is one way to dilute the poison, Violet explained, and recited the rest of the poem to the children that the children had heard aboard the Queequeg. Is dilution simple, but of course, just add a small dose root of horse. She looked around the tent and frightened faces of the, and the frightened faces of the islanders. The kitchen beneath the apple tree might have horseradish, she said. We can save ourselves if we hurry. You're lying, Ishmael said. There's nothing in the arboretum but junk. Oh, wow, this guy is a jerk. There's nothing in the arboretum but junk, and there's nothing underneath that tree but dirt. The Baudelaire's are trying to trick you. We're not trying to trick anyone, Klaus said. We're trying to save everyone. The Baudelaire's know that the medusoid mycelium is here, was here, Ishmael pointed out, and they never told us. You can't trust them, but you can trust me, and I suggest that we all sit and sip our cordials. Razoo, Sunny said, which meant you're the one trying, you're the one not to be trusted rather than translate, rather than translate her siblings, her siblings stepped closer to Ishmael so that they could speak to him in relatively private, in relative privacy. Why are you doing this? Violet asked. If you just sit here and drink cordial, you're, you're all going to be doomed. We've all breathed in the poison, Klaus said. We're all in the same boat. Ishmael raised his eyebrow and gave the children a smile. We'll see about that, he said. Now get out of my tent. Hightail it, Sunny said, which meant we'd better hurry, and her siblings nodded in agreement. The Baudelaire orphans quickly left the tent, looking back to get one more glimpse of the worried islanders and scowling at the facilitator and Count Olaf, who still lie on the sand, clutching his belly as if the harpoon had just destroyed, had not just destroyed his diving helmet, but wounded him too. Violet, Klaus, and Sunny did not travel back to the far side of the island by sheep-dragged by sheep sleigh, but if they, even if they hurried 
Over the bray, they felt that they were aboard the little engine that could, not only because of the desperate nature of their errand, but because the poison felt like it was working its wicked way through the Baudelaire system of systems. Violet and Klaus learned that their sister has gone had gone through deep breath oh deep beneath the ocean surface when suddenly had nearly perished from the fungus's deadly poison. Sunny Sunny received a uh, refresher course a phrase here which means another opportunity to feel the stalks in the caps of the medusoid mycelium beginning to sprout in her little throat the children the children had to stop several times to cough as the growing fungus was making it difficult to breathe and by the time they stood underneath the branches of the apple tree the Baudelaire orphans were wheezing heavily in the afternoon sun we don't have much time, Violet said between breaths. We'll go straight to the kitchen, Klaus said, walking through the gap of the tree's roots, as the incredibly deadly viper had shown them. Hope horseradish, Sunny said, following her brother. But when the Baudelaire's reached the kitchen, they were in, the, in for a disappointment. Violet flicked on the switch of the kitchen, and the three children hurried to the spice rack, reading the labels on the jars and the bottles one by one, but as they searched, their hopes began to fade. The children found many of their favorite spices, including sage, oregano, paprika, which is one of the available numbers of the variety of organized, variety organized according to their level of smokiness. They found some of their least favorite spices, including dried parsley, which scarcely tastes like anything at all, garlic salt which forces which forces the taste of everything else to flee they found the spices associated with the certain dishes such as turmeric which is a which their father used to use while making curried peanut soup and nutmeg which their mother used to make mixed in gingerbread they found the spices that they did not associate with anything such as majorum which everyone owns but scarcely uses at home and powdered lemon peel which should only be used in emergencies such as when fresh lemons have become extinct. They found spices used practically everywhere, such as salt and pepper, and spices in certain religions, such as chipotle peppers and vindaloo rub. Oh, interesting, because they probably got everybody's spices that washed up when boats went down, huh? And when they opened jars of the bottles, none of the powders, none of the powders, leaves and seeds inside smelled like horseradish. Aw, facing... The uh, smelt like the horseradish factory that once stood on Lousy Lane. It doesn't have to be horseradish, Violet said quickly, putting down a jar of tarragon on the f- in frustration. Wasabi was an adequate substitute when Sunny was infected. Or uridema, Sunny wheezed. There's no wasabi here either, Klaus said, sniffing, sniffing a jar of mace and frowning. Maybe it's hidden somewhere. Who would hide horseradish, Violet asked. <sighs> Violet asked after a long cough. Our parents, Sunny said. Sunny's right, Klaus said. If they knew about Anne Whistle Aquatics, they might have known about the dangers of the medusoid mycelium. Any horseradish that was washed up on the island would have been very valuable indeed. We don't have time to search the entire arboretum to find horseradish, Violet said. She reached into her pocket, her fingers brushing against the ring Ishmael had given her, and to find the ribbon that the facilitator had been using as a bookmark, which she used to tie up her hair so she could think better. That would be harder than trying to find the sugar bowl in the Hotel Denouement. <gasps> Is that what's in the sugar bowl? What? Wasabi. I mean, the stuff, not wasabi, Um, you know. Horseradish. Okay. 
At the mention of the sugar bowl, Klaus gave his glasses a quick polish and began to page through the commonplace book, while Sunny picked up her whisk and bit it thoughtfully. Maybe it's hidden in one of the spice jars, the middle Baudelaire said. We smelled, we smelled all of them, Violet said between wheezes. None of them smelled like horseradish. Well, maybe the scent was disguised by another spice, Klaus said. Sometimes that... Sometimes that was even more bitter than the horseradish that could cover the smell. Sunny, what are some of the bitterest cl- spices? Cloves, Sunny said and wheezed. Cardamom, arrowroot, wormwood. Wormwood, Klaus said thoughtfully and flipped through the pages of his commonplace book. Kit mentioned wormwood once, she said, thinking of poor Kit alone on the coastal shelf. She said it was as bitter. It should be, tea should be as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a two-edged sword. We were told the same thing when we were serve tea right before our trial no wormwood here sunny said ishmael also said something about bitter tea violet said remember the student of the the student of his was afraid of being poisoned just like we all are klaus said feeling the mushrooms growing inside of him i wish we heard the end of the story I'd wish we'd heard every story, Violet said, hearing her voice sounding hoarse and rough from the poison. I wish our parents had told us everything instead of sheltering us from the treachery of the world. Maybe they did, Klaus said, his voice rough as his sister as his sister's, and the middle Baudelaire walking to the reading chair in the middle of the room and picked up a series of unfortunate events. They wrote all of their secrets here. If they if they had hid the horseradish, we'll find it in this book. We don't have time to read the entire book, Violet said, any more than we have time to search for the ar- the entire arboretum. If we fail, Sunny said, her voice heavy with fungus, we die reading together. Oh, at least we die reading together. The Baudelaire orphans nodded grimly and embraced one another. Like most people, the children had occasionally been curious and somewhat morbid in a morbid mood and had spent a few moments wondering about the circumstances of their own deaths although since that unhappy day on briny beach when mr poe had first informed them about the terrible fire the children had spent so much time trying to avoid their own death that they preferred not to think about it in their time off most people don't choose their final circumstances of course if the baudelaires had been given the choice they would have liked to live to a very old age which for all i know they may be doing but the three children if the three children had to perish while they were still the three children and perishing in one's company while reading written words long ago while reading written words long ago by their mother and father was much better than any other thing that they could imagine so the three Baudelaire sat together in one of the reading chairs preferring to be close to one another rather than having more room to sit and sat together as they opened the enormous book and turned back the pages until they read the moment in history when their parents arrived on the island. The entire book alternated between handwritings of the Baudelaire's father and the handwriting of the Baudelaire's mother, and the children could see their Im- could imagine their parents sitting in the same chair reading out loud what they had written and suggesting things to add to the register of crimes, follies, and misfortunes of mankind that comprised a series of unfortunate events. The children, of course, would have liked to savor each word, their parents had written, the word savor, you probably know here, means read slowly as each sentence in their parents' handwriting was like a gift beyond the grave. 
But as the poison of the medusoid mycelium advanced further and further, the siblings had to skim each page, scanning for the word horseradish or wasabi. As you know, if you've ever skimmed a book, you end up getting a strange view of the story, just with glimpses here and there of what was going on. And some authors insert confusing sentences in the middle of the book just to confuse someone who might be skimming. Three very short men carrying a large flat piece of wood painted look painted to look like a living room. As the Baudelaire orphans searched for the secret, they hoped they would find they caught a glimpse of the secrets their parents had kept, and Violet, Klaus, and Sunny spotted the names of people the Baudelaire parents had known. Things that they had whispered to these people, the codes the codes hiding in the whispers, and many other intriguing details the children hoped that they would have have the opportunity to read a series of unfortunate events on a less frantic occasion. On the afternoon, however, that they read, they read faster and faster, looking desperately for that one secret that might save them as the hour began to pass and the medusoid mycelium grew faster and faster inside of them, as if the deadly fungus also did not have time to savor the treacherous path, its treacherous path. As they read more and more, it grew harder and harder for the Baudelaire's to breathe. But when Klaus finally spotted one of the words that he had been looking for, he thought for a moment that he was that it was just that it was just a vision brought by on by all the stalks and caps growing inside of him. Horseradish, he said, his voice rough and wheezy. Look, Ishmael's look, Ishmael's fear mongering has stopped work on the passageway, even even though we have a plethora of horseradish in case of an emergency. Violet started to speak, but then choked on the fungus and coughed for a long while. What's this fear-mongering mean, she said. Plethora, Sunny said. Sunny's voice was a little more than a mushroom-choked whisper. Fear-mongering means making people afraid, Klaus said, whose vocabulary was unfamiliar with the poison, and plethora means more than enough. He gave a large shuddering wheeze and continued to read. We're attempting... We're attempting a botanical hybrid through the tuberous canopy, which should be which should bring safety to fruition despite its dangers to our to our associates in utero. Oh, so somebody's pregnant. She said in utero, that means you're pregnant. Of course, in case we are banished, Beatrice is hiding a small amount in a vest. The middle Baudelaire's interrupted themselves with a cough that was so violent that he dropped the book to the floor. His sister held him tightly as his body shook against the poison and one pale hand at the ceiling. Tuberous canopy, he wheezed finally. Our father means that the roots above our head, the botanical hybrid, is a plant made from the combination of the two plants. He shuddered and his eyes, at his eyes behind the glass. His eyes filled with tears. I don't know what he's talking about, he said finally. Violet looked at the root over their head where the periscope had disappeared into the network of the tree. To her horror, she found her vision was becoming blurry as if the fungus was growing over her eyes. It sounds like they put horseradish in the roots of the plant in order to make everyone safe, she said. That's what bringing safety to fruition must mean. And a, a way to bring the apple, a way to bring a tree brings, cro- bring, oh, crop to fruition. That's why he was eating the apples. Mm. Apples, cried Sunny in a strange voice. Bitter apples. Of course, Klaus said. The tree is a hybrid, but its apples are bitter because they contain horseradish. If we eat an apple, Violet said, the fungus will be diluted. Gen, Gen tree five, Sunny agreed in a croak 
and lowered herself to her sibling's lap, wheezing desperately as she tried to get tried to get the gap on the roots. Klaus tried to follow her, but when he stood up, the poison made him so dizzy that he had to sit back down and clasp his throbbing head. Violet coughed painfully and gripped her brother's arm. Come on, she said in a frantic wheeze. Klaus shook his head. I'm not sure we can make it, Sunny said. Sunny reached towards the gap in the roots and then curled on the floor in pain. Kick, bigot, she said in her weak voice, weak and faint, in her, whoa, she asked her voice weak and faint. We can't die here, Violet said, her voice her voice so feeble and her siblings could scarcely hear her. Our parents saved our lives in this very room many years ago without even knowing. Maybe not, Klaus said. Maybe this is the end of our story. Termer chap, Sunny said. But before any before anyone could ask what she meant, the children heard another sound, faint and strange, in the secret space beneath the apple tree. And their parents had hybridized the with a horseradish long, long ago. The sound was a sibilant. The sound was sibilant, a word here which means having something to do with the siblings, but it actually referred to a short whistle or a hiss, such bless you, such as a steam engine that might come as it stops or an audience might take after make after sitting through one of Al Funcoot's plays. The Baudelaire's were so desperate and frightened that a moment they thought it might be the sound of the medusoid mycelium celebrating its poisonous triumph over the three children, or perhaps just the sound of their hopes evaporating. But every sibilance was not the sound of evaporating hope or celebrating fungus, and thank goodness it was not the sound of a steam engine or a disgruntled theatrical audience, as the Baudelaire's were not strong enough to confront such things. The hissing sound came from a few inhabitants of the island, whose whose story contained not one but two shipwrecks and perhaps because its own sad story of an of its oh, own sad story this inhabitant was sympathetic to the history of the Baudelaire's although it's difficult to say how much sympathy can be felt by an animal no matter how friendly I do not have the courage to do much research on this matter and my only herpetological com- comrade's story ended quite some time ago so what this reptile was thinking as it slid towards the children and its in its detail of the Baudelaire's history may never be revealed. But even with its missing detail, it's quite clear what happened. The snake slithered through the gap of the roots of the tree, and whatever the serpent was thinking, it was quite clear from the sibilant sound of the hissing that came through the reptile's clenched teeth that the incredibly de- deadly viper was offering the Baudelaire orphans an apple. Ooh. That little serpent, cutie patootie.